You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the midweek episode 23. Hey everybody. We've got a fun one for you tonight because we're going to do a little bit of rock and roll. I know everybody loves that one. Mm-hmm. Anytime we do that, we seem like we get a lot of response about that. And we've got our special guests tonight are the young ladies, Liana and Erica from Night Geist Podcast. Great. It's a very fun podcast. It's a lot of uh, laughing and joking and uh, language. And uh, <laughs> they're not they're not quite Brohio-ish type language, but uh, hmm. a little more than what we use on this show. But they are funny as all get out. So you guys will really enjoy them. Let's jump into this one. Tracy, you're a big ACDC fan. Yes, like best band ever. And we travel around, uh, not like travel around like, you know, Grateful Dead roadies <laughs> or nothing, but <laughs> we've got some friends that are run what I believe, and they, they actually list themselves as the greatest ACDC tribute band in the country, and they actually just got signed on to do a Monsters of Rock. Oh my gosh. Uh, what is a cruise? I am so this year with Alice Cooper. With Alice Cooper, so oh I mean, they're, my God. They're, they're really good. I am so excited for them. These guys deserve it. They have worked their butts off, and I cannot be any prouder of them. So, in your area, if you ever see the band Thunderstruck, Thunderstruck. coming, go see them. Go. You will love them. You will not regret it. I'm telling you, it's just the best time ever. And Everybody in that band is super, just as nice as they can be, yeah. and very humbled, and still can't believe that the success they're having. And like I say, we are so very proud of them. Everywhere they go, they sell out, and yep, they play everywhere. They've played like the Pittsburgh Steelers have yeah. hired them to play before playoff games oh and God. stuff. Like that. I mean, so they're they're pretty big. They've played in the uh, what's it, the ballroom where Mercury Buddy Holly Bar- played his last oh, last um, show. Uh, yes. Out there in, in uh, Iowa, they've play, played out there. So, so, I mean, they played a lot of huge venues, a lot of House of Blues and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So You guys, check them out, please. You will not be disappointed. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to know those guys since oh, they gosh, started. Oh, forever. Yeah, forever. So, anyways, the reason we bring that up is because I wanted to talk about Bon Scott, who was the original lead mm-hmm. singer for ACDC. And, uh, you know, he was with the band. They recorded albums together from the early 1970s until... His somewhat mysterious death in February 19th, 1980. Yeah. That was a blow. Yeah, I'm not going to get into all the details uh, because it doesn't really fit what we do here as, as far as like why we think it's mysterious. I'll touch on a little bit later, mm-hmm. just a, a couple of the key points on there. But that would make a good Patreon show at some point in time. They'll just do the whole Yeah, life. no, it's so interesting. The official cause of death was basically that he drank himself to death. They just wrapped up touring for the Highway to Hell album about three weeks earlier, and they were in London. And on February 19th, ACDC spent a little bit of time in the studio working on Back in Black. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Bond and a friend uh, who lived there in London by the name of Alistair Kinnear, they went out drinking, which was something Bond was, he was a big drinker. Yeah, Everybody he was. knew that. Mm-hmm. So according to Kinnear, 
And this is where some of the suspicion comes in, where I said it's mysterious. He said that they got back to his apartment and he couldn't wake Bon up. So mm-hmm. they're still in the car out in the uh, the parking lot of the, of the apartment complex. Kinnear said he called Silver Smith, which is a cool name, Silver Smith. Mm-hmm. But he called Silver Smith, which was Bon's ex-girlfriend. She said that Bon passed out like that all the time. And the best thing that Kinnear could do was just leave him alone and let him sleep it off. So oh, that's what he did. He bet le- she regrets those words. Huh? That's how I bet she regrets those well, words. Kinnear leaves him in a car, right? Mm-hmm. He leans the seat all the way back so Bond could lay flat, which probably, probably caused that. Probably is part of it. Okay, so think about this. He leaves him in this Fiat, leaned flat to somebody who's completely drunk and passed out. And did I mention that the temperature was around zero degrees <gasps> Fahrenheit? Why? Why would you do that? Bond was in like a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Yes. No blankets, no nothing. To He might have had a, you know, maybe a jacket in the car. Or something. But there was no blankets no. or anything like that. He just leaves him. So he gets up the next morning and he finds Bond still in the car and not breathing. So he rushes him to the hospital. Mm. Not called an ambulance. He rushed him to the hospital. And some of the suspicion was that Kinnear actually introduced Bond to heroin. And that might be what caused the death. And maybe the Bond was already dead when they got home. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, him leaving him in the car was just his way of making up a story to kind of throw the, the, the proof off yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's no proof of that because the police really didn't check into it because the police didn't find the death as suspicious. Now, see, how ridiculous is that? That's so, ridiculous. And and from my understanding, there was, you know, very little autopsy done. Well, you know what? If that guy did do that and that was his plan, he sure nailed it, didn't he? Now, a lot of people, a lot of people say that they don't think that Bond did any kind of heavy drugs or anything right, like that. Right. But there's a lot of other people that the band, the group UFO the ACDC was touring with in the, in the States and over in London, they were heavy heroin users. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the members of the band, he at one point says, I didn't write any of this stuff down. I just happen to know this stuff. Right, but yeah. One of the members of the band, he said, look, I'm not saying that Bond did heroin or didn't do heroin, but all I know is he came backstage after show. And we all did heroin after the shows. And when he came backstage, he was with a guy that he was hanging out with. Which is where we got our heroin from. Oh, shoot. So he's, you know, that's, he could only insinuate he didn't see Bond do heroin, but the guy he was hanging with is where they got the heroin from. So, you know, and that's a shame that they did not test him for heroin or anything like that. I don't know for a fact that they didn't test him for heroin. I don't even really know what they did Mm -hmm. for the autopsy. They just know they, they said that he died from, from alcohol. Yeah. And I've heard reports that said that he choked on his own vomit, vomit. a la yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard people just say that he just drank so much that it was like alcohol poisoning and oh, he just that's didn't so, wake such up. such a sad thing. All right. So let's move on to the, the main part of the show. We mentioned that the band was working on Back in Black already. So just how much did Bond contribute to the album? And all this ties in together, so stay with me. This is kind of up for debate. Bond is not credited for any of the lyrics on Back in Black after primarily writing the lyrics for the band's previous five albums. 
The songwriting credits were all given to Brian Johnson, which is obviously his replacement in the band. Now, there's some people out there that feel like that some of the lyrics were written by Bon one way or another. And I'll explain what I mean by one way or another as we get a little more into it. One of those is Bon's brother. Now, he was a merchant seaman, and he said that he often would stop in and see Bon in the band whenever he could if they were in the performance somewhere where he was you at, know, at Port mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. And he said Ron would, uh, Ron Bond would often write him letters. Mm-hmm. And he said one of these letters uh, didn't reach him till four years after Bond's death. And this was because everywhere that he would show up, the letter would show up like right after he left. So then yeah. they'd chip it to the next one. And he kept missing him. Yeah. He didn't get it till about four years oh, after Bond had died. He says that in the letter, Bond basically all but says that the album was pretty much all written. It just needed to be recorded. Which would mean he would already have the lyrics written. Yes. He isn't the only one, though, that feels this way. There's a young uh, dancer in Miami. She goes by Holly X in an interview she gave because she didn't want ACDC fans bombarding her and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. She said in an interview in a book called The Last Highway that she knows for a fact that Bond at least wrote the lyrics for Shook Me All Night Long. This is because she met Bond in Miami in 1978. This is when they were doing Power Ridge. Mm-hmm. Power Ridge just came out and she met him. And she said they were together until he died in 1980. So she's got two years with him. She said she was so mad at him not getting credit that she even approached the band. Obviously, she was with Bond two years. The band knows who she is. She approached the band, pissed off. And she was really wanting to know why he didn't receive songwriting credits. And the band told her he didn't write the songs. Well, she added in the interview, I don't know if she added this to the band, she said, by the way, the lyrics in the song are chartreuse eyes, not sightless eyes. Oh. This is obviously in reference to the line from the song that says, she had sightless eyes telling me no lies. Mm -hmm. She goes back to, she said that one time she remembers it like it was, you know, yesterday, so Mm -hmm. vivid, said her and Bond were sitting behind the Newport Hotel, out in the pool area, which is in Miami. And she said that they were just talking, and out of the blue, Bond just turns to her and says, your eyes are chartreuse. And she had no clue what chartreuse was. She didn't know it was a color. She just, she she didn't know if it was something bad, if he was, you know, what he was saying. And he's saying she had like a green top on. Uh And he said, no, your eyes are chartreuse. They're like the same color as your top. Oh, wow. And... She said that every time that he talked to her from that and, re- and referred to her eyes from that point forward, he always used chartreuse. So she said the fact that he did that, that she knows that the line he wrote was about her chartreuse eyes mm-hmm. telling me no lies. Mm-hmm. And they think it may be possible that the words were there and maybe the the young brothers, Malcolm and, I mean, Malcolm and uh, Angus maybe didn't realize what right. chartreuse meant. So they changed it. Well, that, that could be possible. I don't, I wouldn't have known what it was. So anyways, the other thing she was kind of pissed off about is she said, you know, this whole album was probably a tribute to Bond. The, mm-hmm. You know, the album cover is just strictly black with just the yeah. back of the back in the middle. And that was supposed to be a, a tribute and the other song that they used, um, Have a Drink on Me, as a tribute. And she just thought that was extremely tasteless, considering alcohol contributed to his directly death, yeah. to his death. Yeah. For them to say that Have a Drink on Me as a tribute to him was completely yeah. 
tasteless and, and crude. Yeah. Okay, so I said earlier that Bond may have contributed to the back and black lyrics one way or another. Well, here's what I'm getting at. The story is that Brian Johnson, when he joined the band, obviously he was a huge Bon Scott fan. He loved Bond. Mm-hmm. And they went to the Bahamas to record the album, and Brian was given the tall task to write the lyrics for this whole album. Everything else was completely done except for the lyrics. It's just a matter of just doing that part and recording the the, the song part, or the uh, singing part. He says that he was terrified at the notion of doing this, and he was asleep one night, and he was awakened in the middle of the night around 3 a.m. by a tremendous thunderstorm. And he said, I guess you could say he was thunderstruck. Ooh. Anyways, <laughs> he said that he gets up, and he just immediately grabs a pen and some paper, and he just started writing lyrics, and he didn't stop until nothing else was coming to them. Wow, that's deep. He said he feels like Bond was actually there with him that night. Oh. So could it be that maybe Bond did write some of the lyrics? Yeah, through... through. And mm-hmm. maybe the band didn't see them, mm-hmm. but maybe he sent them through Brian Johnson, and maybe that's why very the cool. lyrics are very close. Yeah. You know, because the band says that when they were recording in London... That Bond wasn't doing anything except he was playing some of the other instruments. Because, you know, Bond was a drummer also. A lot of people don't know that. But he was a drummer and actually played drum on some of the earlier albums as well. So maybe maybe that's how it got to be that way. Nobody's really known. And, you know, it's a thought. Well, I think that's the greatest thing ever. So the band says that they often feel Bond around. Even, you know, after his death, they they just feel like he was with them Mm -hmm. on stage. And there's a lot of times, you know, when... You know, like when they do Highway to Hell, they show the album cover back behind them, which is, you know, yeah. got him on there, not Brian Johnson. And, you know, they said that uh, they just feel like he's just always been with the band, which That's is great. really cool. Rock journalist and paranormal researcher Susan Messino, she knows the band very well. Matter of fact, she wrote the ACDC biography, Let There Be Rock. And so she spends a lot of time with the band. She said that Bond often visits her. And a matter of fact, she said that Bond came to her in a dream. This is before the book. He comes to her in a dream. And she said they just sat and talked and talked and talked and and all this. And he was laughing and joking. She said Bond was the type that whenever he walked into the room, he was going to do whatever it took to make you laugh. That's the type (laughs) of person he was. He always had a smile on his face. And and he was just, she said if he had to trip over something and spill a drink, whatever he would do to make you laugh, that's what he would do. He was that type of guy. And she said that, you know, the next day she wakes up and she's like, oh, man, that was so real. But then she says she goes to work and throughout the day she's like, yeah, it was just a dream. It sucked. It seemed seemed nice, but mm-hmm. it was just a dream. She said about that time she gets a call from her husband and said, I know this is odd, but why did you leave the lamp on over beside like the couch? She's had this lamp for 20 years and she never uses it because she said it was too bright. Uh-huh. So she would rarely ever use it. And she knew she hadn't used it. And she was telling her husband, I, I didn't use the lamp. And she has no, she said she's had a lamp for 20 years. It's never turned on by itself. But yet somehow it was on. And she felt like that was Bond's way of letting her know that he really was there. Oh, so. oh my gosh. Or how about changing the light bulb to lower what? Hello. Yeah, th- <laughs> <laughs> then three weeks or three days later, she gets a call about the book deal. So she didn't even know about the book yet. But she thinks that was, that was Bond's way of letting her know. That something was getting ready to come on. Oh, 
gosh. So now let's start talking about the book. 30 years worth of ACDC history she was going to have to do in this book. That's a lot. That's a lot. And she was completely overwhelmed. So she woke up one night with a major panic attack, just woke up out of the blue. And she said Bond came to her again. And he was just, you know, relaxing her, talking about it. He said, hey, everything's going to be fine. Hey, look at me. Don't I look fine? And he just making jokes like that. And she said she did feel at ease. And she was able to go back to bed. And she said she's never had a panic attack since. Wow. So, anyways. How awesome is that? That's my little story on Bon Scott. I love that story. I'm so sad, though, that he passed away. It's just... 1980 was a horrible music year for Yes, that. it was, actually. He, he passed away in February. John Bonham from Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. passed away. And John Lennon was shot and killed at the end of I the know, year. I know. It was a really bad year, for sure. So when you think about losing Bon Scott, John Bonham, and, L- and John and Lennon, Lennon I know. all in the same year. What the heck, man? And none of them from natural causes. No. No, not one. You know. Well, you know, Brian Johnson's done an awesome job mm-hmm. of filling in. I mean, I've been thrilled with him, and I've almost got speeding tickets because I'm <laughs> got, you know, you got your ACDC going, and that's you just want to drive fast. I don't know what it is, but. And he was only 33 years old. And that's such a sad, sad thing. I can't even imagine what it would be like if he was still here. Yeah. You know? I would have loved to have heard. Him singing on Back in Black just to hear what it would sound like. Yeah. And I've heard some people out there. There's some impersonators out there that have done try to do some it. of the songs mm-hmm. just so you could get an idea of what oh, it would really? sound like and all that. Oh, wow. So, anyway. <sighs> Man, that was a good story, though. <laughs> all right. So let's listen to these wonderful young ladies from Nightgeist. Hey, guys. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. I have got some extra fun guests for you tonight. We, uh... Put out a request a while back about uh, looking for some podcasters to come on the show. And to be honest with you, this is a podcast that I was unaware of at the time. And we talked a little bit and I agreed to have them on the show. So I went and listened to these young ladies. Uh, This is Leanna and Erica. Hey. (laughs) So you guys are hosting the Night Geist podcast. It's a cool name, first of all. I thought it was very clever. Thanks. That's all Erica. (laughs) And you young ladies are fantastic as far as co-host together. Your rapport is awesome. And uh, I I just, I love the show. I think it's very fun. So you ladies tell me what your show is. So for somebody who hasn't heard it, how would you describe it? Well, we are a paranormal comedy podcast and we typically drink while we are podcasting. Um, it helps us loosen up a little bit we usually keep it one and a half drink about minimum (laughs) if it's a special occasion maybe we'll have a couple i think that's a perfect way to describe us as paranormal comedy podcast sure and we love talking about whatever our listener suggestions are Uh, we love conspiracy theories anything that's spooky unusual kind of whatever We just, we have opinions about everything. (laughs) We love the paranormal. We kind of always have loved the paranormal. So why not make a podcast about it? (laughs) Exactly. How do you two know each other? Well, we actually met at the Santa Rosa Junior College in, well, in Santa Rosa, in Northern California, in a really terrible fashion Yeah, we took a night (laughs) class together that was about fashion. And we we bonded (laughs) over kind of just the ridiculous class that we were in together and We really hit it off. Like, funny enough, our final project for that class was to create a unique fashion line. And 
it's not a surprise that Liana and I chose to come up with funeral wear. (laughs) 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 So our final project was, uh, yeah, clothing to be sold only for funerals. It's definitely a market, right? So we've always been into the like spooky and strange and unusual, even at the very beginning of our relationship. And that was, I think we were 18 and now we're, it's only been a couple years. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I will not dare age myself. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a little Uh, while. How long has the podcast been out? We just, a little over yeah, a year. we just hit like our year anniversary around Thanksgiving. So we hit that the year mark, which is pretty cool. We're pretty proud of it. It's, it's very nice. The sound quality is really good. It's produced very well. <laughs> you two are funny. Aw. For those listening, there is a tad bit of language. <laughs> oh, yes. We are not clean. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> Please yeah. don't be mad at me. You know, it's only on the podcast, too. My regular day-to-day life, I'm not at all like that. I don't know what happens when there's a mic in front of me. (laughs) Hey, sometimes when you mix a little alcohol with a microphone, you're going to get that. Oh, I know. I love karaoke. Is that a surprise? (laughs) No. (laughs) So what I want to do, I like to turn the microphone over to our guests. And I'm just going to let you two hijack the show for a little bit. And give our listeners an example of what they get if they was to tune in to Nightgeist. Great. We love it. Right. We love hijacking Thank things. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're pirates at heart, so. Yes. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, it's okay. all yours. Thank you. Okay, we wanted to share a little bit of local folklore that we actually went to investigate ourselves when we were much younger. Not much younger. Just kidding. It was only a couple yeah, yeah. years ago. So, <laughs> In dog years, uh, that would be much younger. I love exactly. this. That's perfect. <laughs> that is an excellent, excellent way to put it. We actually learned about this place, I don't know, what we were like, 18, 19? Yeah. I think it was in the very beginning of our relationship together. And it's a haunted house that's basically in our backyard, or at least that's what local legend said. Yeah. So, of course, we went online in the early days of the internet, discovered all the information that we could on all these really awesome old like Angel Fire and GeoCities websites. And then, <laughs> now you're dating and then us. We, <laughs> okay, just kidding. It wasn't that I'm long joking. ago. It's fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is some of the information that we discovered before heading out in the middle of the night. Much to the, our parents' chagrin, yeah. I'm sure. So, um, so yeah, we can give you a little backstory about this place, and then towards the end, we can. We've tried to recall what happened to us when we were there, but we'll we'll get to that at the end. I think we had to piece that together <laughs> through asking our parents and friends. So this place is called Haystack Landing, and it's in Petaluma, California. That's in it's north of San Francisco by like what twenty miles? Yeah, it's it's like something. What like forty five minutes, forty minutes north of San Francisco? I have no real relation that. There's too much traffic, so I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> you get started. Yeah, so like Liana said, it's local to us. I had no idea since we've been researching this that there was so much information on this. Like when we went, I only know a tiny fraction of it, so this is pretty cool. This, oh, see, I knew all of I it. I didn't know any. And I still went. I think that's why I was so scared. Oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you're just a weenie, but it's okay. Shut up. <laughs> all right. This place started out, it was considered taboo, like evil land by Native Americans, and they warned early Spanish settlers and missionaries that this place was malicious. Don't go here. It's It's got bad juju. A Spanish missionary 
he was found dead from self-inflicted wounds after he kindly tried to attempt to bless this area. (laughs) And after that, it was like, this place is actually bad. We should have listened. No one really traveled there for a decent amount of time. Can I just say, wait for a second, maybe the spirits didn't want a Spanish missionary to bless Yeah, us. I kind of have a little bit of a problem with that because it's like, that's Native American <laughs> land. Why? Uh, just listen. Whatever. But whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so then when the early California government acquired the land by means of their own self-imposed Miranda land grant, the area was immediately seen as this great prime real estate location for like ships, boats, barges to dock because there was this little inlet from San Francisco, the bay, and it was perfect for people taking all of their like agricultural forcing materials from this area and then taking it to San Francisco. It was just like prime real estate for shipping by way of water. And then early on, the small docking site, several settlers had reportedly just went totally crazy and killed several farmers, innocent bystanders (laughs) who just happened to be in the area or nearby, which is awful. (laughs) Maybe something was in the water. Yeah, so like... The past is kind of coming back where it's like, we told you this isn't good and now it's resurfacing again and peeps are going crazy. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. <laughs> so went crazy, turned on each other and everyone around this area, just everyone's dead who was involved in this kind of almost yeah. like mass hysteria. As travelers and settlers passed through the small area of land, reports flooded in of eerie apparitions, strange sounds, smells, which is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to ignore. And people felt just kind of generally not good when they were there. Like they kind of felt like that bad gut feeling. Could yeah. have been the smell. Well, Petaluma <laughs> kind of smells anyway, though. Yeah, it is very agricultural. It, but- <laughs> It's very stinky. <laughs> smells like cows. Could have been the cows. Actually, my mom, my brother started calling. My mom and brother started calling it poopaluma. And I'm oh, like, no. really, guys? Come on. But now it's stuck in my head. It does kind of stuck. Up. Like it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my husband just said, "What did he say?" He's like, "Smell that. Smells like money." And I'm like, "Oh, that's." It just smells like poop. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know. That's awesome. But so d- despite all the smells and the, s- the poop and the spooky stuff, the site continued to grow because this was such a, it was such an agriculturally rich area and it was feeding all of the people in San Francisco. So of course the area had to get bigger to feed the growing city. Despite that stuff though, in 1853, a mysterious gentleman known only as Mr. Rudisville and by the way, I looked him up and I cannot find anything about this man <laughs> other than his relationship to Haystack Landing. In my so. mind, he wears a top hat, high collar, and cloak. <laughs> he has yeah. definitely a giant mustache. Uh, only walks into town um, when there's fog. That's how I imagine <laughs> With a cane. Yes, always. He's got a cane. <laughs> always a cane. <laughs> but apparently he built various sheds, like storage sheds, barns, and the formal docking facilities for boats and ferries to dock. And because of the great number of agricultural materials, specifically hay and grain, uh, that was being farmed, um, the area was given the name Haystack Landing. So that's where it started, supposedly. From this man. (laughs) So after completing his docking port, he mysteriously was never seen again. So 
I'm not really sure if this guy existed. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. But a bunch of strange, I know, a bunch of strange encounters continue to occur, ranging from unexplained deaths to bizarre illnesses to being physically accosted by evil spirits. And I guess it just continued to be reported on a regular basis for the next 30 years or so. But I figure, I don't, I don't know. I feel like something must have been in the water. That's just me. But anyway, in the summer of 1864, the brothers Minturn, they were Charles and Edward, and they actually existed. I did look them up. Them, I imagine, (laughs) as the brothers Grimm. (laughs) They both had mustaches from what I could see. I think they hunted cryptids on the side. (laughs) Probably. I mean, there were a lot of woods up there. Possible. It's very possible. (laughs) One of which was a local rep for a steam shipping company. He ignored the unusual reports because he's got to get that money and he completely ignored the strange encounters and the warnings from the old timers he obtained a steam train to push and pull carts back and forth from the river's edge and there are a lot of train tracks going through Petaluma today that are old and unused so it's really cool that they kept a lot of that stuff around but apparently on this steam train's maiden journey to the dock to dock at the site a freak explosion of the train's steam engine caused it to be almost completely destroyed killing 30 men in the process such that's insane i still can't believe that every time we talk about that i don't i don't know if it actually happened because i i was searching to see if that really happened but if it did i'm I'm not sure first of all it's just really (laughs) sad and horrible but it's like oh my god like uh if you were like a local you'd be like i don't want to go no you'd be like why is no one listening (laughs) stop Which is also kind of why I still freaked out when we went. Anyway, (laughs) for the next 25 years, apparently not a month went by when there wasn't some sort of tragic mishap, unexplainable death or weird encounter or supernatural crap that happened. So, Erica, you want to tell us what the two weird events? Always. (laughs) I'm always prepared to talk about weird events. (laughs) So one of these weird events is, okay, there were several shanties on the property, which were housing farm workers and all the laborers, it mysteriously burned down, killing everyone within them. Ooh. Not cool, man. Witnesses said they could hear hideous laughter as the people burned alive. Oh, God. Horrifying. It's, it's horrifying enough that people are being killed and then to hear, quote, hideous laughter. <laughs> no. I mean, I kind of have a gross laugh, so maybe it was like that. <laughs> anyway. It's so scary. That means it's like, in my head that whatever's involved it's there and loving it and I do not like that that is very scary (laughs) the other incident several children they got crushed by a barge as somehow they fall between the dock and a boat as it was coming up to dock to get hay there was one surviving child who said that he saw his friends pushed off the water's edge by a giant shadow that then disappeared into the ground I'm gonna have nightmares just thinking about this i just i don't don't like this it's so crazy i don't like it the poor my mom's living in petaluma right now so every time i go to visit her that's really all i'm gonna be thinking about yeah i don't blame you because i had forgotten all of this (laughs) so another one this one i have so many thoughts and comments on but i'll i'll try not to (laughs) because i feel like i could do a whole podcast on this next one (laughs) so there is a small hotel and a saloon it was being built new owners okay great fine they decided to obtain an additional income by featuring a bear and a bull fighting each other before the opening of the saloon and hotel 
I hate it. <sighs> I just, Sorry, I hate it. no, 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 no. And okay. So on their like kind of soft opening where they wanted to attract people because of this bull <laughs> and bear fight. I don't even know. Several audience members were killed and others were maimed when the bear and bull broke free of the fighting pin and just turned on the crowd. Go yeah, bear. We're kind of a, like, I don't want people to get hurt, but I'm not mad that the bear and the bull got out. <laughs> they didn't want to Yeah, be they there. didn't sign up for that. This was a horrible thing. Like, yeah, that's not cool. Not good. Already doing bad. They haven't even opened the hotel in the saloon. So they're like, what do we do? What do we do? Let's just move up the, the opening date of our hotel, make some money, hopefully make up the money we lost on this horrible fight <laughs> who, who sponsored that fight was that the dow jones <laughs> <laughs> Sounds That's about awesome. right. man probably <laughs> probably an ancestor or something <laughs> they opened the hotel a little bit early and on the opening night <laughs> they were met with disaster as all the sleeping occupants were killed in a fire after the structure was hit by lightning. Great. Like, great job, guys. What? (laughs) How does that happen? I just don't even understand. (laughs) Supposedly, the theory, lore, whatever goes, that the bones of the burned corpses were found scattered all over the property as if their bodies exploded with the lightning strike. (laughs) That's insane. (sighs) I mean, what more do people need to just leave this place alone? (laughs) just wall it off it's been struck by lightning and like a week previous a bear and a bull just killed a bunch of people like stop now (laughs) (laughs) don't understand Uh, yeah i just nope i'd be like i'm gonna sleep over there under the stars far away (laughs) nope different town going up to santa rosa don't have time for this Nope. So then in 1883, the Walls family acquired a large bulk of the property. So it's been split off and they began uh, building a luxurious home. Um, But before any primary excavating could be done on the property, supposedly a freak steam ferry accident took the lives of the entire family as the boat was about to dock at Haystack Landing. However, the property remained in their care or in their family's trust or whatever for a really long time, I think until the 40s. But then with the installation of the Golden Gate Bridge on date, whatever, I don't remember when. (laughs) I didn't look that up. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Apparently, um, so when that happened, Haystack Landing Port became obsolete because they no longer needed boats to get to and from San Francisco to Santa Rosa and Petaluma. Though for the next 21 years, unusual accounts of the disturbing deaths and eyewitness reports of ghostly phenomena are noted. And then here are a couple more spooky things. Apparently, several transients who lived on the property in makeshift shanties were found having committed mass suicide. They carved all their bodies, presumably by themselves. So there were carved markings and gashes that could not be identified or explained. So insane. Maybe some cult thing or religious thing. I'm not sure. Apparently, a sheep herder who continues to try to steer his sheep onto the edge of the property because, you know, it's abandoned. So why not let your animals graze there? They couldn't seem to keep the animals on the land as they refused to eat the grass. And then I guess after fencing them in on the property overnight, the entire flock was found dead from unexplainable causes. In could have been insane. Maybe it was the chupacabra. Yeah, maybe. From goats to sheep. (laughs) I imagine the chupacabra having a sinister laugh, so that adds up. (laughs) Oh, man. He's been our problem this whole time. He had no clue. If only he could have told them. (laughs) I like 
so in 1952, a Mr. Keller, no first name, lays out the plans for a proposed city of Petaluma because it was still just like a docking port, I don't know, sleeping area, yeah. taking everyone's advice to not include the area of property located anywhere near Haystack Landing. And then in 1958, this city charter of Petaluma became official. So I thought this was interesting, sidebar, when we were trying to get to Haystack Landing, it was not easy to get to. Yeah. They like intentionally made that house that was on the property very, very difficult to get to. And I thought that was very strange. Yeah. I I remember. It was a kind of a weird... Maybe it's because we I didn't have know. Google Maps then. I don't know. That's all. <laughs> we tried. I think that's when MapQuest was still around. Probably. Oh, my God. I printed up some stuff. Internet, so we had to hand write down the steps. It's so sad. <laughs> uh, technology. Yay. So far. <laughs> I think it's crazy that the town didn't want to recognize that it was a part yeah. of Petaluma. It's like, I don't want to be responsible for this. Mm, no. Nope. Nope, nope. And we're going to draw the little <laughs> dotted line on the map away from that and Petaluma. <laughs> yeah, and they actually decided not to recognize uh, the violent and weird past. They said that they're basically saying that none of this stuff happened. Yeah. So they don't, they don't want to perpetuate like it. Like all so. bad things in history, people want to forget they happened. Just very upsetting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. My ex-wife to this day still doesn't admit that we were married. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Zing, that's terrible. <laughs> She's like, do I know you? And I'm like, we've got three kids. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. She's got that's jokes. A- <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Go for it, Erica. So this is kind of the next, one of the next phases. Yeah, if this house goes in, or this property goes in phases. <laughs> it's. Of I crap, even terrible this place. <laughs> so the city of Petaluma and the Petaluma Historical Society, like we mentioned, they don't want to recognize this place, this house, nothing to do about it. No one wants to talk about it. I read some of the forums too of people who have lived there and wanting to find out more about it. They said they've supposedly gone to the Historical Society in Petaluma and like they don't talk about it and there's no like <laughs> fish or geo whatever no no information no newspapers no nothing kind of strange Mm. the next 30 years as the property goes legally unoccupied strange and horrific events continue shocking Shocking. (laughs) so a transient was found dead hanging from the rafters of the house at this point the house is not pretty it's kind of falling apart and the bones in his arms (laughs) and legs all broken what? So how did he get up there? I don't know. <laughs> a caretaker who was hired by a company that acquired the property, I hope they were paid well, was found dead <laughs> of an apparent heart attack at the back entrance oh, of the house. I know. I hope they at least told them if this is true. Like, hey, just so you know, kind of you're kind of <laughs> taking care of a place that is evil. <laughs> Not cool. He probably got zero warning. None. The day before his death, he had reported to police hearing bizarre cries coming from the property. I can't even believe they showed up to work. I'd be like, here is my two weeks notice given right now. I'm never coming back. No. No, thank you. Two years later, 
Two more transients were found dead in the house from a parent overdose. Unusual things were carved throughout the house, stating that it was alive and evil was everywhere. I don't like it. I don't don't either. Local police and the sheriff's department have had so many reports of this place and strange lights, noises, all that good spooky stuff coming from the property that they now consider the site a regular stopping point on their beats and the park. And they park at the site on a regular basis. I didn't know that. I... I can't. Re- you didn't know when we went. Really? No, I don't remember that. I remember being scared we would get in alert. trouble, but I didn't know we had a good reason to think that. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, I was so terrified the whole time. Yeah, oh. I yeah, I was way more scared about getting in trouble because I don't like getting in trouble. <laughs> I was scared of the ghosts. I was scared of upsetting the police because oh I was like, we were stupid, but we were good kids. Yeah. So I was like, we've done nothing wrong, but I also don't want to get in mm. trouble. <laughs> I wonder if they still stop there. They must. I'd love to talk to a local cop, see what they see what they know. Over the years, psychic, spiritualists, all those awesome new age people that I adore because I want to be one, <laughs> have come to the site without permission to investigate. And they tried to like, understand what happened here they tried to heal it kind of like the very original missionary who killed himself there (laughs) i was Um, gonna say mistake good have all fled this area or the house with a super nauseating sickness sensing the overwhelming evil forces that occupy the property calling it a vile vortex of dark forces say that three times no kidding i mean that's not that's not good (laughs) well i i feel like they have they've are justified in saying that. Vile vortex. But. So that means they must think it's some kind of like portal then. That would make sense. Maybe it's like possibly the, all kinds of things are coming and going. Ooh. I was going to say maybe considering how many different things have happened there, it being a vortex makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. That actually, that makes a lot of sense. Now I kind of want to go back I'm, here. I, I still don't. <laughs> but anyway, moving I'll on. let you know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll Skype you. <laughs> Okay, great. (laughs) Just record the call in in case anything good happens, please. (laughs) Oh, of course. Absolutely. (laughs) So in the fall of 95, the property was purchased by a corporation who who made public their intent to level all existing structures on the property because there's a lot. This is not a small plot of land because they wanted to take advantage of the prime property location because it's kind of like in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Still a good spot. This is a valuable spot. But in October 95, also, a professor... This is where it branches even further into, did this really happen? I don't know. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun, though. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's our our only real claim to fame in Snow County. True. We have wine and this one spooky place. (laughs) (laughs) So a professor of parapsychology from Northern California University, unnamed, brought four students and two graduate students to investigate the long history of unusual ghostly reports of the house before it was scheduled for demo. I guess the professor and five of the six students were viciously assaulted and attacked by unknown persons or phenomena while the sixth graduate student was picking up additional equipment. Even with all the various high-tech at the time, video equipment was used for their investigation. No concrete evidence was actually documented, which could explain who or what was behind the... I know. I am so upset. He's a professor of parapsychology. How is there? (sighs) Yeah. So apparently that stuff 
could have all been part of a video, like a movie that they were trying to make, which was called The Incident at Haystack Landing. And you can look that up on IMDb. Apparently existed sometime, but I cannot find the actual video of it at all. It's hard. I so, don't know if, if it even exists. I don't know if anymore. it actually ever exactly. I don't I don't know if it does. It's probably some VHS somewhere. <laughs> like in the horror movies VHS. Like uh, the just, ring. You watch you it watch and you it, die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was interesting. So in this is this is leading up to where we went to the house. This company called Dutra Asphalt Company owns the property now. They were scheduled to actually move the historic house to make way for its asphalt plant. But then on September 1st, 2004, a fire destroyed the last like the, the remaining structure. And that was that house, the spooky house. And fire investigators believed that the blaze was suspicious and was likely done intentionally. But there was never any solid proof that that happened, that it was intentional. It probably was done by Dutra. So they didn't have to move it because I imagine moving a historic landmark would not be cheap. No. Especially a dilapidated yes. piece of crap like that one. And was. they're like, it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Let's burn it. <laughs> that leads us up to where, well... A little bit before we, um, or a little bit after we went to visit. Yeah, because we actually saw the house. I remember it was yeah. not long after, though, we went there that this happened. And I remember it was like, I th- whoa, we were just there, a- now it's gone. It was a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was that it super burned down. soon after. It was. I remember that being like, what did we do? <laughs> I know. You drove us down. Uh, it was you, me, and our friend Gracie. And was there anybody else with us? There might have been. I'm not sure. It was know. a small we have group. Really, we have really strange fragmented memories of this night. I think it's due to the fact that we've done so many of these random middle-of-the-night trips. <laughs> Probably. I, they all mush together. I, the only thing I really remember is stopping at either Krispy Kreme or In-N-Out before. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> needed food. Jerry, do you guys have In-N-Out over there? No, we don't have them, unfortunately. <gasps> they have good fries. Okay, well, if you want to come visit, you can... We'll take you out there. <laughs> There's a couple of places that we just don't have. In and Out is one of them. Oh. Some of the other ones. What's the one? And uh, man, there's another one that's all over Texas. What a burger! We don't have what? that one either. Oh, I've never heard, I've of, heard that. of that one. Yeah, it's like Texas, Alabama, I... in that area. Oh, cool. What? I remember when I was a flight attendant, we a lot of the people that I was flying with, they used to stop there and they'd get on the plane with that, and I'm like, what? Why didn't why didn't I go there? Damn it. And I'd always be so bummed, so jealous, and just smell all those fries and everything. Oh, now I just want fries. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to our, our historic visit. We had some information given to us today from our friend Gracie about what happened. You want to share, Erica? Yeah. So what we pieced together was we were probably only like 18 or 19, and we went there at night. I remember we were scared about getting caught by I was scared about police officers. Ghosts. I didn't feel scared and about that. I was. I'm more scared of like I don't know having to call my parents saying like oh I was trespassing. Please don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we pulled up and I remember our friend. She went in the back door and I remember I heard her scream and I was really scared and then I found out it was because her flip-flop caught on a stair and I was like oh okay that's not the worst thing that could have happened so that's all right and I actually was remembering too I forgot that there was like a weird like side story of this place down the road there was a lady who lived in a smaller house 
And I remember oh, hearing, I like, that. if you go to Haystack, be careful. The lady who lives just down the road pays attention to kids who come and try to see if this place is haunted. And Ooh. if she hears or sees you, she has a shotgun. <laughs> I remember that now that you've described it. And I, totally I remember being <laughs> so frightened of that lady. And I think that's why I ultimately didn't go in because someone had to look for the lady with the shotgun down the road. <laughs> and somebody had to stay in the car to keep them right? <laughs> safe. <laughs> I remember being so scared. And I saw what I thought was a house because there's no other houses around. It has to be that house. And I remember seeing like, it was probably on a timer or something, but like her porch light came on. I was like, oh my God, this is it. And then it's like, do you yell at your friend in the house? Because then the lady will hear you. Or do you just leave your friends? I mean, I don't know. We'd only been friends a and few years our- at that point. It was fine. <laughs> and didn't Gracie leave her phone in the house or yeah, something? Back- apparently yeah. Apparently she left her cool. cell phone in there. So that wasn't good. And that's back when cell phones were like, a they were a big yeah, deal. Yeah, if you lost them. <laughs> brand new okay for a cell phone <laughs> i can't really remember a ton i i know that i also brought like a disposable camera and took pictures and it was like way early on when people were starting to take photographs and like you know document like orbs in them mm, but okay. i had no idea how like taking a picture and what is an orb and I remember later on. Did you throw all the pictures no, away? No, I think I still have them oh. somewhere. But I remember I had mm. all these orbs in my pictures. And I was so excited because <laughs> it was like, this is this new thing. And I have like 12 or 15 in all my each picture. And I was probably like my dad or somebody was like, that's just dirt. You're outside. There's dirt everywhere. You guys just pulled up and parked the car. And I was so upset because I was like, I've done it. This is the first, like, main time we've gone, like, in ghost hunting again. I was, like, so excited. And I was like, apparently orbs can be dust. I had no idea. <laughs> no, your dad is wrong. They were yeah. real ghosts. One of them had to have been. <laughs> Statistically Just speaking. camouflaging himself. Yeah. It's blending in. <laughs> I So, yeah, I didn't get out. I didn't get out of the car. I was too scared. Yeah. It was a cool house, though. It definitely had, like... It had a creepy vibe, and it was so creepy that it burnt down a couple weeks after we had decided to finally go there. Yeah, we waited a while to go. And I'd remembered that my friend Zoe, she told me that she had gone, I think, like a year previous or something. And she was the one that originally told me about it. And she had said that when she went inside, I guess, like, they had, you know, they had heard all the rumors about and the folklore and the whatever about all the weird feelings that you'll get when you go inside and... She was like, I remember calling to my friend Glenn, like, do you feel anything? Like, do you feel any hot or cold or like your head feeling okay? He's like, I just feel really gassy. And she was like, we're going. We're done with this house. Oh, no. Maybe it just gives you the tummy grumbles. They probably ate in and out before going there, too. (laughs) That's probably what it was. I'm sad the house is gone. Like. I know. It's just like the cement slab there, if it's even there anymore. Yeah, I, I passed by it on the freeway a few days back. The 101? Yeah, and I it's hard because it's, it's a really hard angle to catch like it you have to kind of look back and I was passenger I wasn't driving yeah I was just so bummed and we should still try to go back I mean I'd love to be able to go back there and get like permission so Mm. you know fat chance I know I would love that though so then I could kind of just like take my time with it and like 
use all the spooky ghost instruments. Yeah, not be scared of her. (laughs) But if she exists. Yeah. Anyway, so that's Haystack Landing. We don't we don't know if any of that's real. That could all be fake. (laughs) (laughs) But we believed it at the time. We did. Some of the people existed. Yeah, some of them definitely were real. But whether or not that story is, uh, I don't know. Whether or not it's a vortex to hell, we cannot be sure. <laughs> but if somebody has access, we'd love to go. Yeah. <laughs> I needed you to know for a fact if it was a vortex to hell. I'm extremely disappointed. Uh, just kidding. It's now a fact, Jerry. You can go. Vortex uh, to hell. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I don't want you to show you this credibility. I want you to build a little Thank you. <laughs> Thank we you. have that in common. It's definitely a fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I-, I can't begin to-, to say how fun this has been. Likewise. <laughs> Oh, we're so happy to be here. <laughs> Tell everybody how they can find your show on social media. I know you're available on all platforms, so you're almost wasting your breath telling everybody, sure. hey, look for us everywhere. You can find podcasts. Everybody knows that already. Where can they find you on social media? Sure. Um, on Instagram, we're at Nightgeist Podcast. Uh, you can just go to our website, uh, nightgeistpod.com, and you spell our name N-I-G-H-T-G-E-I-S-T. So think poltergeist, but night <laughs> we're on twitter at night guys pod erica do we have a we have a tumblr yeah no. we we okay. don't know what it's doing but we have one it's it's out there tumbling it's somewhere <laughs> is that what they yeah, do it's doing i don't know i don't know <laughs> sounds right and then we're on facebook of course as well so find us send us messages we'd love to hear from our listeners yes and that's the best part of this is all yeah. the people we've met through this and the listener oh. stories and it's been a the spooky community is super cool. Oh, man. Like, Jerry, you are awesome. Like, I've been listening to you guys for a really long time. And I really, I love your, I love your podcast so much. So this means a lot to us to be on oh, here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's us. <laughs> that's in a nutshell. Well, Liana, Erica, <laughs> I thank you so much for coming on and spending a little bit of time. I know you guys are out on the West Coast. There's a three hour time difference. So it's probably a little harder to do. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I think all the listeners are going to love it. So go listen to Night Geist Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. I promise you, this was a really good representation of the show. <laughs> so this is kind of what you'll get, except with a little more language. <laughs> yes, touche. Perhaps uh, my chihuahua barking in the background sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he gets a little He's angry. our resident demon. <laughs> Yeah. If they listen to us, they're used to hearing dogs in the background. So. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, ladies, we'll talk to you later. Sounds right, good. Thank Thanks you, so much. Bye. See, wasn't that a fun story? I've never heard of that place, and there were so many different incidents. <laughs> it was fun. I'd like to have experienced that myself. <laughs> well, being, being gored by a bull and oh, a bear? Oh, well, not that so much. Oh, but being yeah. burnt down in a fire from a mm, lightning strike? Not that one either. Oh, okay. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm delirious. <laughs> well, thank you, girls, for sharing that with us. That was great. Yeah. So, anyways, that's the, what we got for you this week. Uh, go check out Night Geist. They got a bunch of episodes up. You'll love mm-hmm. them. They've been up for a little over a year or so. Yeah. Go check them out. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Love you.